has its place in the canon, of course, and is important in its own way. Uh, but arguably, the Gospel of Matthew is uh, the most central and critical book in the entire uh, Bible. Uh, it really was the church's gospel throughout most of the church's history. Uh, when most Christians think of the Beatitudes or of the Lord's Prayer, uh, they immediately think of Matthew's version of the Beatitudes or the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it was really, as I say, the church's, the church's gospel. Also, Matthew's gospel uh, stands really at the center of the biblical canon. It's at the, of course, it's at the beginning of the New Testament and serves as a bridge then uh, between the Old Testament and the New Testament scriptures. What I want to do this, uh, in this uh, setting is to, is to help you um, read the Gospel of Matthew, give some suggestions as to how to derive significance from Matthew's Gospel. You need to remember that a Gospel is not a mere chronicle of events or a set of, um, of events that are put together in a haphazard fashion. Uh, but the Gospels are stories about Jesus. Uh, most scholars now consider them to be ancient biographies. But they're ancient biographies with a twist, with a difference. They're biographies that preach. That, in fact, is why they're called Gospels. They proclaim the Gospel. And the evangelists, the authors of our Gospels, proclaim uh, through uh, what they write by arranging their Gospels in a certain way, by telling the story of Jesus in a certain fashion. And, of course, each of our four Gospels tells the story of Jesus in a somewhat uh, distinct way. Matthew's Gospel uh, tells the story of Jesus um, in three parts, really. Uh, the Gospel seems to break down at 4.17 and 16.21. 4.17 tells us, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And 16.21 tells us, From that time Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the chief priests, scribes, and elders, and be killed on the third day. Uh, and be raised on the third day. Uh, so we see then that 4.17 and 16.21 uh, are parallel to each other in terms of phraseology. Each reads, from that time Jesus began to. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the chief priests, scribes, and elders, and be killed and be raised on the third day. So we can say then that 1-1 through 4-16 uh, describes uh, Jesus before he begins his public ministry. That is a preparation for Jesus, Messiah, the Son of God. 4-17 through 16-20 describes the proclamation, the preaching of Jesus, Messiah, Son of God to Israel. And 16-21 through 28-20 describes the passion and resurrection of Jesus Messiah, Son of God. Even though the events of Jesus' passion and resurrection uh, do not take place uh, until chapter 26 of Matthew's Gospel, the emphasis uh, in the work of Jesus and the, uh, and the teaching of Jesus um, 
on the Passion and Resurrection begins in 1621. In fact, uh, 1621 is the first clear prediction of Jesus about his impen impending Passion and Resurrection. Prior to that, there are suggestions here and there, hints uh, that Jesus uh, will die and will be raised, uh, but that becomes really a dominant theme from 1621 onwards. Now we do note, and many have, uh, have emphasized uh, this in their study of Matthew, that there are also five great speeches or discourses in Matthew's Gospel. The Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5 through 7, uh, the uh, Missionary Discourse in chapter 10, the Parable Discourse in chapter 13, uh, the uh, Community Discourse in chapter 18, and the eschatological or end time discourse in chapters uh, 24 and 25. Each of these ends with a similar statement, something like, uh, when Jesus had finished these teachings, he went on to do this or that. Actually, the last of these, which is found in 26.1, says, when Jesus had finished all these sayings suggesting then that the end of uh, the fifth discourse is actually the end of the discourses, those major discourses in Matthew's Gospel. Clearly that is important uh, for Matthew's Gospel as well. But these discourses or speeches that deal with various important aspects of discipleship are subordinated to and are part of the story of Jesus. So the main outline, 417 and 1621, um, tells really the story, presents the essential development of the gospel and um, implanted uh, within uh, the story of Jesus are these great bodies of teaching. Now the Gospel of Matthew comes to a high point of culmination, a climax in the Passion and Resurrection. Um, that is suggested by the fact that Matthew punctuates that third major portion of his gospel, 1621 through 2820, by passion predictions. 1621, which we've already cited, is the first of these. 1722 and 23, the second. And chapter 20, verses 17 through 19, the third. Uh, they, they, they prepare us for the events that will transpire in Jerusalem in chapters 26 through 28. The final climax, or the ultimate climax to the gospel, comes at the very end of the gospel, the missionary commissioning in 28, 18 through 20, which really is a resurrection appearance. It's the only resurrection appearance in Matthew's gospel to the uh, disciples. Very famous passage, you'll know it. Um, Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. A couple of things to note with regard to the way Matthew brings his gospel to a climax and end. We note for one thing that it ends with the command to worldwide global mission. Now this is, uh, this is strange in a way because up to this point in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus' ministry has been almost entirely restricted to Jews, to people of Israel. 
and not to Gentiles. Uh, Jesus said when the uh, Canaanite woman approached him in chapter 15, wanting him to heal her uh, daughter, uh, I have been sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And Jesus hesitated, uh, healing her daughter. And when Jesus sent out the twelve on their mission back in chapter 10, he commanded, he commanded them to go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter no town of the Samaritans, but go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. On only a couple of occasions in Matthew's Gospel does Jesus minister to Gentiles when they exercise superabounding faith. Other than that, he is careful to restrict his ministry to Israel and to command his disciples to do the same. But there at the end of the Gospel, having declared that on the basis of the resurrection, all authority in heaven and on earth has been granted to him, he commands them to expand uh, to generalize their ministry, not only to Israel, but also to all the nations of the world. Matthew's Gospel then has a strong uh, missional or missiological sort of, uh, of emphasis, indicating that, uh, that God's focus upon the people of Israel is now to be expanded to all the nations of the earth precisely because of the exaltation of uh, Jesus Christ. We note, too, that the climax um, includes, at the very end, a promise of presence. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This actually goes back to a statement made in the first chapter of Matthew, Matthew 1, 21 through 23, the naming of Jesus, where you remember that, Je that, the, that Joseph is commanded to name Jesus to give to this child the name Jesus, because we uh, are told uh, he will save his people from their sins in fulfillment of Isaiah 7:14, uh, A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God with us, Emmanuel, God with us at the beginning of the gospel, and now this God with us says at the end of the gospel in 28:20, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that the Christian church, the experience of the Christian church in the period between the resurrection and the second coming of Christ is characterized above all by the presence of God Himself in the person of His Son, who is Emmanuel, God with us. The Gospel of Matthew ends, of course, in 28:20, but the story continues. It's an open-ended a sort of conclusion to the Gospel. There is no ascension narrative in Matthew's Gospel. Jesus does not leave, really, in terms of the narrative of Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's Gospel concludes with Jesus being in the midst of His disciples, who represent the whole church, of course, promising to be with them to the end.